0: Well, good morning. Here we are in our second week of Advent as we come together to celebrate this journey towards our Savior's birth in the stable. And last week we lit the candle of hope and we looked at Isaiah chapter 40 together. We talked about who it is that we are waiting for and how we can look to the Lord to sustain us as we wait. Before we move into our second sermon today in this Advent series though, let's pause for a moment and seek the Lord together and pray. Gracious God, thank you for your word that you have given us. What an opportunity it is to open it each and every week, to learn from the words that you have given us. That you have kept all these years for this moment. Lord, that they may lead and guide our lives through you, Holy Spirit, leading and guiding us. So we pray that you would give us wisdom, to discern your truth, to know your will, and to understand your words here in your scriptures. We give you all praise and glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wear glasses, unfortunately, which I... I did not like that much, especially in the rain. Rain gets on your glasses if you wear glasses, and it can be an annoyance. But I wear glasses, and I noticed lately that my glasses weren't working quite as well as they used to. I thought, well, that's odd. And then I looked at when I got my last eye exam, and it was in 2018. I thought, well, that's a little bit longer than one should typically go to get an eye exam. And since I noticed that my eyes were getting a little bit worse... I thought I should probably schedule an appointment with an optometrist and go and get my eyes checked. So about a month and a half ago, I went to Costco because I love Costco for everything. You can get your clothes, you can get your food, you can get your eyes checked, you can get your hearing aids, whatever you need, Costco pretty much sells. So I went to Costco and I saw an optometrist and she confirmed what I had thought, that my vision had indeed got worse over the last five years. She took my eyeglasses and she scanned them into her computer so she could see the prescription that the lenses had, and then we went through all those tests, if you've had an eye exam before, where they put a a screen in front of you and they say, is this clear, or is this clear, is this clear, or is this clear, and you're not quite sure because they're so close together, but you do your best, and so we went through all those and got to where I could read a pretty small line on the wall, and I was feeling pretty good about my vision. She said, this is your new prescription. She said, let me flip back to your old prescription and show you. And she put my old prescription up, and I couldn't even make out that bottom line. And I thought, wow, my eyes have definitely got worse. Well, I went home excited because I thought this will be great to get some new glasses. I can see a little bit better. I won't feel like my eyes are quite as strained. And so I went online and ordered some new prescription glasses and began to wait. And I waited until I got the email that my glasses were being made, and then I waited longer. And I got noticed that my glasses had been finished and they were preparing them to ship. And then I got noticed that they had shipped and I waited. And I got noticed that they had been delivered, but we were out of town on vacation. And so the first thing I did when we came back into town was I got the mail and I found my two pairs of glasses. and I was so excited because I had been waiting for these for a while and I was excited for what they would bring and hopeful that they'd help my eyes to see better. And I opened them up and I put on the first pair and it didn't fit. They were too small for my head and the prescription just felt a little bit off if you've worn glasses. It was just slightly blurry, especially when I moved my head and so I tried on the second pair. And the second pair was described as gray but upon receiving them, it looked more purple. Amy looked at me and she said, did you order purple glasses? And I thought, no, I didn't order purple glasses but maybe I could wear purple glasses. So I wore them around the house for a little bit but that prescription too seemed a little bit off. All that waiting only to be disappointed in the end, only to find myself waiting even longer as I've had to reorder my glasses and send those back and get a new pair. And so I'm currently in the midst of continuing to wait. These are my old glasses, and yet I'm still waiting for my new glasses to come. You see, waiting doesn't always turn out how we hope or how we expect and maybe you can relate. Maybe you've waited for something for a while only to find that it didn't live up to your expectations or it didn't turn out the way in which you had hoped. Maybe you've had high hopes for something and not seen it come to fruition or maybe like me you're still in the midst of waiting. You feel like the Lord has given you a promise or something to hold on to and you're just clinging to his words hoping that it will come to fruition, hoping that you will not be disappointed, clinging to the promise. And trying to hold on to hope. Reminds me of Psalm 40, which says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my call. Or Psalm 13 that talks about how long, O Lord. And the psalmist repeats that refrain, How long, O Lord, how long? This idea of just waiting. Well, this morning we're going to look at what we can do with these feelings of disappointment as we wait. And how we can have confidence in the Lord, even in the face of delayed answers and hopes. So if you would open up with me to Luke chapter 2 this morning, we're going to be spending our time looking at a story in Luke chapter 2. Now as you grab your Bible or just get ready for the text, what's going on here in the text is that according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph are to bring Jesus to Jerusalem in order to present him to the Lord. The law required that every firstborn was to be set apart and called holy for the Lord and thus brought to the temple. And the parents were to offer sacrifices on the baby's behalf, presenting their son to the Lord. And so Mary and Joseph are good Jewish believers and are being obedient to the law. And they've come to the temple, bringing Jesus with them. And that's where we're going to jump in to Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And this is what the word of the Lord says. Luke 2, 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So right away, Luke introduces us to this new man in the biblical text. We have not heard anything about Simeon. In fact, we won't hear anything about him after our text today either. Simeon has these 10 verses in the whole canon of Scripture in which we meet him, in which we hear a little bit of a story, and then we move forward. And yet, there's a lot that we can learn about Simeon from just verse 25 right here. We know that Simeon was a Jew. He's here in the temple is where we find him. The way he's described, we know that these are words that would be used by Luke to describe a Jewish believer. And so he is a Jew here in the temple. And we know that he is righteous. That idea of righteousness is just in the eyes of God. Virtuous is how Simeon is described. And we know that he is devout reverencing God. He has piety and he is religious. And we see the devotion in which Simeon has as he places his hopes in God's covenantal promises. This is what he's waiting for. This is what he's devoted himself to is waiting upon the Lord's fulfillment of the promise that he has received. And we know that he's waiting for the consolation of Israel, meaning the idea of that which affords comfort or refreshment. The Messianic salvation that Israel had been told was to come. The idea that when Jesus came, the Messiah came, he would bring comfort and refresh Israel from where they were at. And the last thing that we know from verse 25 about Simeon is that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, we know that Pentecost hasn't happened yet. In the biblical timeline, the Gospels are occurring before Pentecost in Acts, where we see the Holy Spirit come down upon the believers, and yet... Here we see a confirmation of the Holy Spirit at work in Simeon's life. In the same way in which we'll see later in Acts. And you may wonder, well, is this the same Holy Spirit that we see in Acts? It is. It's the same Holy Spirit who leads and encourages, who convicts and guides believers. It's the same Holy Spirit that you and I have access to if we profess faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And you may wonder, well, what does the Holy Spirit do for Simeon? Well, he gives Simeon hope. This happened as he revealed to Simeon that he would not see death until he had seen Christ. Look at how it's described in verse 26. It says, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work in his life, revealing truths about God to him. And this is one of the aspects of the Holy Spirit that we know is true even for us today, is that the Holy Spirit reveals the Lord's word to us. And this is important for us as we read Scripture, that we would take time to pause, that we would ask the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us, to give us discernment and understanding and wisdom as we read the word of the Lord, that we would be able to understand more deeply God's character in the text. Also important for the Holy Spirit is as we go about our days at home or at work or uh, out and about in the community, that we would pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us, to show us his path. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit does for Simeon. He reveals to him the path of his life, that he will not see death before he has seen the Lord's Christ. And this is the hope that Simeon is clinging to. This is the hope that's brought him to the temple this day. The hope of the Holy Spirit. The hope of Christ. I love how the NIV application commentary puts it. It says, Saints in touch with God's heart often await expectantly the completion of God's promises. Let me read that one more time. Saints in touch with God's heart often await expectantly the completion of God's promises. This is where Simeon is at. Simeon is in touch with God's heart. He's awaiting expectantly the completion of God's promise, of that promise that had been given to him that he would see the Messiah before he saw death. Simeon has received a promise from the Holy Spirit. and In our text this morning, we've heard perhaps why the Lord chose Simeon for his righteousness, for his devotion, for the man of God that he was. So let's continue in our text and see the Lord's faithfulness to his word. Picking up in verse 27 of chapter 2. It's talking about Simeon, it says in verse 27, And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Simeon comes to the temple this day, guided by the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit is one that guides and leads us. We can rely upon him instruct and lead us forward. Simeon doesn't come because he thinks it's just the best day to go to the temple or it's Tuesday and Tuesday's are temple day for Simeon to go and see if the Messiah is there. He goes because the Holy Spirit, that small still voice that speaks to us, that leads us, he tells him it's time to go to the temple. And as he guides him up there, he sees the fulfillment of what he has been told would come. You see, we too should be like Simeon in that we must, as followers of Christ, be open to the Spirit's leading in our own lives. We need to be paying attention to that still, small voice, asking the Lord to lead us and listening when he leads so that we can be obedient to his will. Mary and Joseph would have had to have waited 40 days before going to the temple to offer these sacrifices for Mary's purification from giving birth. And they've now come to the temple as is custom in this time. Mary and Joseph are there practicing obedience to God, and God uses it in multiple ways. He uses it in that Simeon is present. He sees the child Jesus, and he takes him up in his arms, and he blesses God. Now, let's not hurry by that too fast. It's so easy, especially for those of us who have been Christians for a while and read Scripture, to read something and just kind of go by it because we've heard it so many times when you think about what's happened here, Simeon has been told by the Holy Spirit that he will see the Messiah before he dies. The time has come. He sees the Messiah in the temple. He knows this is the one he's waited for. This is the promised one for Israel, the one who will redeem God's people. And his first response is to bless God. That is an amazing heart that Simeon shows us here, a heart of gratitude towards the Lord. See living lives of gratitude toward God is foundational to being faithful Christians. And Simeon shows us that today as he starts by blessing God for what he has allowed him to see. And the peace that Simeon has as he has seen hope fulfilled here in the person of Christ. You see hope placed in the proper place, placed in Jesus Christ will always bring peace. And the hope fulfilled is according to God's word. God has ensured Israel that he would bring about redemption through the Messiah. That he would redeem Israel and bring them freedom. And it didn't look necessarily like what they had hoped it would. As you've heard before, people thought it would be a military freedom. That it would be a king coming with might and power to destroy Rome who was oppressing the Israelites. But yet here in this baby that is brought to the temple that Simeon is now holding, is the hope fulfilled. The hope that God had told Israel that he would use to redeem his people, to bring them salvation from their sins. And in verse 30, Simeon says, For my eyes have seen your salvation. He has had it revealed to him that Jesus is the one that he's waited for. Jesus is the one who will bring salvation. Jesus is God's salvation for us. What an amazing gift that God gave us in sending his son down to earth. The gift of salvation found in Jesus Christ alone, there is nowhere else we will find it. There is nowhere else that we will find the forgiveness of our sins except in Jesus Christ. Simeon is then satisfied to go peacefully and with joy to his death. Since he goes knowing that the Lord has fulfilled his covenantal promise to Israel, and that the kingdom will come in Jesus. Simeon moves forward in verse 31 and 32 to prophesy that the light is for the Gentiles as well as for the Jews. You see, Jesus' coming was something that was expected by the Jewish people, that was looked forward to and would have been celebrated by many, but they didn't necessarily think it would be for a broader audience than just the Jews. And yet Simeon here lets them know that Jesus' coming was not limited just to Israel. He makes it clear as the Messiah comes that he is also to be the Savior for the Gentiles too, that he is to be the Savior for the entire world, that anyone who places their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior will experience the salvation that he brings. How profound to have witnessed this moment in the temple, especially for Mary and Joseph, to hear these words, to hear the confirmation of what they had been told prior, that Jesus, their baby, was the Messiah. And look at how they respond in verse 33. Chapter 2, verse 33 says, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel." And for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Joseph and Mary respond to Simeon's prophecies about Jesus, about who he is, marveling at the words that are spoken. Just taking it all in and marveling at what it is he's saying. And then Simeon moves to bless them providing them with an insight and confirmation that their child is appointed for the fall and rising of many. The fall being for those who deny Christ's deity, those who sought to kill him and sought to stop the movement of those who followed Jesus. This path will lead only to destruction for those who deny Christ as Lord and Savior. That is the fall of many that he speaks of. And yet, In the same way, he speaks of the rising of many in Israel. That would be those who accept the message of Jesus. They would find that they will be saved from their sins and ultimately lifted up, rising to an eternal salvation with Jesus Christ as their Savior. However, Simeon doesn't stop there. He moves forward, letting them know too that their souls will be pierced. Foreshadowing here that the death of Jesus will come before his parents that even though there is great joy in Jesus' arrival, there will come heartache as well. In praising Jesus, Simeon does not fail to note the Messiah's course will be hard. The same can be said for those who choose to follow the Messiah as well. Ministering in a world that's hostile to God can mean becoming the object of hostility and ridicule for us as well. If Jesus faces division and rejection, Those who follow him can certainly expect the same. And yet, it is good news that Jesus has come. It is a fulfillment of the prophecies. It is something to be thankful to God for. It is something to bless God for like Simeon. The witness of Simeon here today reveals multiple things to us about hope and power that I believe we can learn from and apply in our own lives. As we move forward, whether we're in seasons of waiting or whether we're dealing with frustration or disappointment for how things have turned out, I believe that we can put this into practice by first and foremost seeking to practice righteousness and devotion. As we wait for whatever it is that is to come, whether it's the Lord's second coming or whether it's a word he's given you in your life, or whether it's to just get through a difficult season that we would learn from Simeon and practice waiting with righteousness and devotion. In his memoir, Everything Sad is Untrue, Daniel Nayiri tells the gripping story of his mother's conversion from a devout Muslim background to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. She gave up wealth and social status, eventually being forced to flee from Iran under a death threat. But she was willing to pay the price because of her devotion. Nayeri writes about one example of her costly faith saying that one time his mother hung a little cross necklace from the rearview mirror of her car, which was probably a reckless thing to do. My mom was like that. And one day after work, she went to her car and there was a note stuck to the windshield that said, Madam Doctor, if we see this cross again, we will kill you. He writes that to his dad, who is not a Christian, this is the kind of story that proved his point. That my mom was picking a fight. That she could have lived quietly and saved everyone from the heartache that would come if she had kept her head down. If she had stopped telling people, if she pretended just a few holidays a year that nothing had changed, she could still have had everything. He says that my mom took the cross down that day. But then she got a cross so big that it blocked half the windshield, and she put it up. Why would anybody live with their head down, she said. Besides, the only way to stop believing something is to deny it yourself, to hide it, and to act as if it hasn't changed your life. Another way to say it is that everybody is dying and going to die of something. And if you're not spending your life on the stuff that you believe, then what are you even doing? He writes, what is the point of the whole thing? It's a tough question because most people haven't picked anything worthwhile to live for. You see, in our lives, we will have to wrestle with what things will receive our devotion What things are we willing to make sacrifices for? Where will we place our value and how will we spend our time and use the resources that we have? Simeon, in his life, held on to the promises that he was given and chose to live with righteousness, chose to remain devoted to the Lord. And I imagine that he had people around him who expressed doubt. That when he shared with his friends and relatives, perhaps, that he had heard from the Lord that he would see the Messiah before he died, I imagine there are people who questioned him, who said, there's no way that'll happen. You won't live to see that. And yet he remained faithful, we see. Even in the midst of disappointment, perhaps, Simeon doesn't give up. And one day, he finally saw the Messiah who he had hoped for. And Simeon, in seeing the Messiah, didn't witness a political movement or a military revolt to overthrow Rome He doesn't experience a revival of strict law-keeping led by the Jewish religious leaders of the day, nor is it the kind of fulfillment that he was probably expecting. But all that Simeon had longed for is wrapped up in this baby that he now holds in his arm. Simeon's righteousness and devotion to God is part of why God chose to use him in this way, to bear witness to who Christ is, to prophesy about Christ's life, and to give glory to God for the arrival of Jesus. If we are to seek righteousness and devotion to the Lord, it calls us, it asks how we continue to walk this path that the Lord has called us into. I believe that we walk that path moving forward by trusting in the speaking of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In the world of technology, there was a new development years ago called hypersonic sound, and the inventor. Elwood Woody Norris had engineered sound waves to travel like a laser beam for 150 yards. This allowed sounds to be heard by a person in a particular place, but not by those immediately around them. You could be listening to music or a specific instruction, while those standing next to you would be left in total silence. If you move out of the tightly formed path of these unique sound waves, you too will be unaware of any of the noises. Sometimes it feels like God's communication with us is similar to these sound waves. We must be in the right place in the Lord's will, seeking after him, reading his word, attuned to his Holy Spirit in order to hear him clearly. And when we're there, the message is clear. But if we move away, if we move away from God's word, if we move towards our own desires over God's, we move towards fulfilling what the culture tells us our lives should be about, we have a harder time hearing And we miss the message that the Lord wants to communicate with us sometimes. Although we cannot see the Holy Spirit, we should be able to sense his work in our lives, changing us to reflect Christ more and more. And the Holy Spirit was given to Simeon to encourage him, to give him hope in the coming Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. We too must tune our ears to the voice of the Holy Spirit and allow our journey to be encouraged by his proclaimed hope. You may wonder, well, what does the Holy Spirit give us today? The Holy Spirit speaks into our lives through God's word and through the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts. And the Holy Spirit tells us that Jesus has come, that Jesus has conquered and reigns, and that Jesus will come again. That he has given us his word, which the Holy Spirit speaks to encourage us, to convict us, and to help us remain steadfast. And we can trust the word of the Holy Spirit. We can trust the word that God has given us here in Scripture because we've seen his faithfulness in the life of Simeon. We've seen his faithfulness in the lives of those throughout Scripture and many others who bear witness to him. So as we grow in our ability of listening to the Holy Spirit and trusting his guidance, we can know that God will be faithful. And thus, we can move forward, lastly, by celebrating God's faithfulness. This thing of the movie Finding Nemo, which uh, most people here have probably seen. It's a really famous movie, and it's a great illustration of God not giving up on us. Because in the movie Nemo, this little uh, child fish gets lost and separated from his dad. And the whole movie is about his dad's journey to try to find Nemo. He goes through trials and hardships. He faces sharks and rides waves with turtles and travels many miles throughout the sea on a quest to find his son. And he doesn't give up until he is found. You see, God is faithful in his search for his lost children. God is faithful to continue to pursue after us. And throughout the history of salvation, we can see God narrowing his focus on us and then through Jesus gives us a way back to him. Simeon had been promised that he would see the Messiah. He has held on to this promise throughout his life. And in our text today, we see God's faithfulness displayed. And we see Simeon's faithfulness rewarded in this moment. Not only does Simeon experience knowing God is true to his word, but all those who are there to witness this moment on this day can see God's faithfulness too. And even All these years later, as we read the text, we too can see God's faithfulness in Simeon's life. I don't know about you, but I love the story of Simeon. Whenever I read it, I enjoy the chance to revisit it. Simeon is given just 10 verses in all of Scripture, and yet they are impactful. Simeon's faithfulness was never about him, though. It was always about Jesus. So this week, as we wait, as we wrestle with dashed hopes or disappointment or unexpected trials or delays, may you know that God is faithful in the waiting and may you rejoice that he is with you and the day is coming when we shall see Christ face to face. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the examples in scripture like Simeon. Lord, we pray that you would Uh, just lead and guide us to be more like him as we seek to reflect you each and every day. Lord, give us a steadfastness and a devotion even in the midst of struggles and trials. Lord, may you use those moments to refine us, to chip away the parts of us that are not reflecting you, to get rid of the sin in our lives so that we may be holy as you are holy. Lord, we want to look like you. We want to be reflective of you to those around us. But we can't do it on our own. That's why it was such a gift that you sent your son. And that's why we celebrate that. And we give our lives to you, professing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Lord, this Advent season, as we pause and take time to seek you, Lord, we pray that you, Holy Spirit, would meet us where we're at and that you would guide us in this journey to becoming more and more like you. Thank you that you have not given up on us. Thank you that you continue to work in our lives, and thank you that you continue to help us flee from sin and pursue your holiness. We lay ourselves before you this morning, praising you, for you are our Lord and Savior. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.